0: Welcome to the Vita Foods Insights podcast. Join us as we explore the latest in science and innovation, helping the global health and nutrition industry connect, develop, and progress. Today's host is Heather Granato, Vice President
1: of Content. Well, hello, and welcome to this special VitaFoods Virtual Summit podcast. I'm Heather Granado, the Vice President of Content, and I'm so pleased to have with me today Dr. Carolyn Childs from the University of Southampton. Carolyn, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Dr. Childs is a lecturer in nutritional sciences at the University of Southampton, and her research has investigated nutrients including dietary fatty acids, probiotics, and prebiotics, She's looked at new approaches to immune function, immunosenescence, and the gut microbiota. And I'm so pleased that she'll be presenting as part of our VitaFoods virtual summit on gut health, taking place on Tuesday, September 15th. So today I've asked her to share a bit of insight around the connection between gut health and whole body wellness, obviously a critical issue during these pandemic times. So Carolyn, perhaps we can start with a broad perspective. Obviously, the microbiome has gained a lot of attention from consumers in recent years, but do you think there is actually an understanding of the critical role of gut health to general well being?
0: Yeah, I think most of us have some indication of the links between gut health and general well being. So, for example, uh, we're aware that our gut and brain are connected to each other, and we can experience that ourselves in situations where We might feel butterflies in our stomach when we're feeling nervous or anxious about something, showing that link going from brain to gut. But also the reverse seems to happen. So for example, people with irritable bowel syndrome are more prone to get depression, for example. Um, And so those links between what's happening in your gut and what's happening in your brain are probably clear to most of us on a day-to-day basis. Beyond those links, I think it's an emerging field for consumers. So thinking about how our immune system links to our gut, or perhaps how our gut health is related to our liver health, uh, and also the complexities of how these things might change as we get older. If we're overweight, for example, I think these are more emerging fields in terms of the links between gut health and well-being.
1: Thank you. Maybe we could speak a little bit further about the connection between a healthy gut and immune wellness.
0: Yeah, so our gut is a really important site for our immune system. And in fact, it's been estimated that about 70% of the immune cells you have in your body are actually associated with your gut. And I think if you think about the challenge we put ourselves under each day, each of us eats one to two kilos of food every day. And our gut has to work with our immune system to determine, is this something safe, which I should tolerate and allow to continue through? Or has has my, my body just eaten salmonella and I need to rapidly get rid of that and respond strongly with an immune response? So our immune system has this close link with the guts in surveilling what's there, making sure it's safe. But also in terms of appropriately tolerating the food that comes through. So, for example, we don't want our immune system to overreact when it sees a peanut or gluten, for example. That's that's when our immune system has got a bit overexcited and isn't responding appropriately. I think, in terms of what's happening with a healthy gut and immune wellness, in terms of evidence, I think there's very strong evidence that what's happening in your gut affects your health. Some of those things are quite direct and easy for us to imagine so for example if you take antibiotics you have an increased risk of getting diarrhea as a result of taking that uh, and we know that 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 relationship between your gut and immune system and potentially taking things like probiotics can affect that interaction things which are a bit more distant from your gut such as your risk of getting allergic diseases like asthma or eczema those there is evidence now that that's closely linked to what's happening in your gut uh, and also things which may not seem naturally intuitive. So your risk of being obese in childhood or in later life, that's also related to what happens in your gut in the earliest days of life. Um, So I think there are a number of connections, a number of different levels that can affect health.
1: Very fascinating. I personally have a food allergy, a tree nut allergy. So I'm familiar with that overactive immune response uh, to something that really shouldn't be Uh, triggering. So interesting how those things happen and then what actions you have to take to make sure that you're protecting your own whole body health by Mm. making smart decisions. Yeah. Are there some important lifestyle and health considerations that we should all be taking to bolster our gut health and make sure that we are really optimizing what we can do?
0: Yeah, that, that's a really great question. It's one I get asked quite often. What is, what is the answer, Caroline, <laughs> to,
1: to <be laughs> having a perfectly healthy
0: diet? I think the advice our parents gave us to eat more fruits and vegetables is, while not original, still remains still very good advice. Um, fruits and vegetables contain lots of fiber. These things support That's the main food source for your gut bacteria. And we know that people who eat more of those foods have lower risks of a whole range of various health conditions. Um, There are some other, aside from that, there are some other more subtle changes we might make to our diets. So for example, there's a lot of talk about avoiding red and processed meats um, and the potential risks they have to gut health. Uh, I would suggest a nice way to think about that is to think about the frequency with which we eat those foods. Um, So one example I heard was perhaps we should start thinking about red meat the way we think about lobster, you know, something which is pleasant and enjoyable to eat but perhaps for special occasions rather than a three times a week meal that we might have um, as well as avoiding some foods there are some foods which may have positive benefits so I do a lot of work on fish and the omega-3 fatty acids that they contain but that becomes complicated because currently in the UK most people never eat oily fish so me, me telling them to eat some oily fish is quite a dramatic change for them and then also of course if you are a vegan or vegetarian that's not unacceptable. acceptable Uh, dietary recommendation for you to follow. Uh, So there are various things that people can do to link what's happening in their diet to their health, but there are also non-diet things which affect via your gut. So for example, uh, if you're exercising, if you run outdoors through the woods, you're going to be exposed to a different pattern of bacteria than if you exercise indoors in a gym. So there are some patterns of exposure there and things like pet ownership. So children who are exposed to pet ownership in early life are much, they have different bacteria in their gut as a result and are found to be less likely to get allergies in childhood. So um, both lifestyle and dietary things, which we can consider
1: there. That's fantastic as well. I like the idea of thinking about certain aspects of the the diet as a special occasion. So always that idea of all things in moderation or, you know, eat less, mostly plants to make sure that you really are getting those nutrients into your body, that it needs to function at its best. Are there particular ingredients or nutrients that you consider to be critical then for improving and maintaining gut health?
0: I think over the course of my career, it's been Close to twenty years since I first started studying nutrition. Um, when I first started, my understanding of fibre was in terms of bowel regularity. You know, that was my that was my understanding of why that was important. Over the last few decades, the importance of that in terms of gut health is just amplified in terms of the effect it has on your gut bacteria, what metabolites your gut bacteria are producing, uh, how they interact with other food components, like. Um, the the things which give fruits and vegetables their rich colors, those phytochemicals, how our gut bacteria interacts with those and what products they produce. So I would suggest fiber and where that comes from is particularly important. Uh, Sometimes it's, it's a challenge because people already don't eat enough fruit and vegetables. So do we just continue with the eat more fruits and vegetables message or do we need to consider supplements? I think there's a place for targeted supplements such as If I'd just taken antibiotics, for example, I might think that was a time when I might take prebiotic fibres or probiotic-friendly bacteria at that time. And I think there are other interesting knock-on effects of thinking about increasing fibre intake through supplements, such as in how we might use things which would otherwise be food waste for benefits. So, for example, I've seen a study about using mango peel which would be discarded in mango juice production, and how that might be used as a, a supplemental source of fiber. So, adding value to um, what would otherwise be food waste.
1: I think that's interesting because you talk about fiber, and there are so many kinds of fiber, and certainly that gets into the idea of prebiotics, which we can use to fuel our own microbiota, but also support if we're taking supplemental probiotics. But a lot of that also comes down to research and the type of work you've done around this prebiotic plus this probiotic. So it can be easy, I guess, to be very broad in how we talk about just take that. Whereas I believe, and I'd love your comment on this, if we're looking for specific benefits, we may want to consider different types of prebiotic fiber or specific strains that have been studied for probiotics.
0: Yes, absolutely. And so between uh, different, within a genus of bacteria, so if we say bifidobacteria, for example, there are various different species. So bifidobacteria lactis, bifidobacteria infantis. And then within each of those, there are specific strains and each of them may well have differing effects some may have benefits at lower doses compared to others Uh, some may benefit one population so for example in vitro i can see that different probiotic strains affect old and young people in a different way and so there are those particular differences with probiotics the same applies with prebiotics so galacto oligosaccharides fructo oligosaccharides xylo oligosaccharides we can Look in the lab to see which of these best promotes the growth of this particular bacteria. So that gives us some useful evidence. But then, of course, that's quite different compared to when you give that to a person. You know, did they eat it with a breakfast which was full of fruit and vegetables, or did they wash it down with a diet coke? You know, which, you know, which one are they are they going to benefit equally? You know, if there's someone who eats 30 different varieties of vegetables in a week, are they going to respond the same way as someone who eats? A, uh, a less healthy diet option. So that that's the complication with nutrition research. Some of the things we can do in the laboratory, very hard to control for all those factors that we humans do to ourselves in real life.
1: We certainly do make uh, not always the best choices. I do appreciate the idea, though, of really that rich diet, the prebiotics uh, and the power that those have because to some degree that fuels my own microbiota. As you referenced earlier, every individual has their own population uh, that is very unique, different types of strains of bacteria. And I don't necessarily know what my microbiome wants and how much it's different from your microbiome. So yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there are some things which we can detect about our own microbiome. So all of us have probably had the experience of eating a new type of bean once and then experiencing the increased gas production, which accompanied that. So sometimes you provide your gut microbiome with something new and it has a a strong reaction that way. Uh, So but variety, as you say, is important. We know that people with the most diverse populations of bacteria that tends to be associated with positive health outcomes. It's very difficult it's a chicken and egg situation. Do they have the most diverse gut bacteria because they have the most diverse diet, and that's what's driving the benefit, or is it something about that person and their their body's ability to tolerate and accommodate a broader variety of bacteria than someone else? so for example, you know what your gut transit time is, how frequently you go to the toilet is going to affect which type of bacteria like to live inside you uh, so there are a whole there are some things which we can control we can control what we eat uh we to, to some to some extent um there are some things we can't control we can't change our genetics we can't we can't change our age <laughs> sadly um so there are some things that are in our control and others which are outside uh, so that that is a challenge for all of us
1: well i'm inspired to go in increase even more the fruits and vegetables as well as, you know, the things that do add to your healthy lifestyle, the idea of getting outside and taking a walk outside and breathing the air. If you're in a close situation these days, please do wear your mask so you are protecting yourself and others. But, you know, the idea of pets and and really just uh, the healthy lifestyle that supports gut health for whole body wellness any additional final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners about uh, gut health and uh, the connection to immune? Um,
0: I think particularly in the current situation uh, of the coronavirus pandemic, there's a huge amount of interest in terms of what diet may do to promote beneficial immune function. I think the, the... I wish I could say there's a particular food which will provide protection. I can't. There is no current evidence of any particular supplement or intervention which will provide protection. But one thing I do know is that the quality of your diet provides the building blocks that your immune system needs to work effectively. Uh, And so for all of us, it remains true all the time that having a healthy diet is good for us, whether that was in the past preventing us getting heart disease or currently reducing our risk of coronavirus infection. Um, but it is uh, the other thing I think is important to remember is the challenges in making changes to our diets and doing those appropriately. So important to take care if we have particular health conditions that we need to, to factor in diabetes, for example, uh, and to try and draw on the best evidence which is available and reliable sources of information.
1: Reliable information, really making those good decisions. Wonderful Thank you. And certainly we'll be sharing some more of that reliable information during our VitaFoods Virtual Summit on Transforming Gut Health, Immune Support Symbiotics, and Future Opportunities. So, Carolyn, thank you again for joining me today. I look forward to welcoming you on 15th of September for our VitaFoods Virtual Summit, which is sponsored by Nexira And our listeners, you can find more information at vitafoods.eu.com.
0: Thank you.